0: What a great opening. Really sets the mode for tonight our with divine adventures. I'm very pleased. So Miriam and Francois, are you alive? Yes. <laughs> Maybe mute, but you're alive. That's good. That's actually yeah. good. <laughs> Miriam, we had last week, which I started it off with escape and Some of us escape in different ways. Some of us try to get away. And we talked about going on vacation. And the idea was sometimes we just need to get away. But we're actually saying that we're really looking for God's peace. And obviously, in your sharing, which you did a beautiful job last week, there was people who paid attention to that. And really, why do they go on vacation? For what purpose? So you brought a beautiful message with your sharing last week. But what was your week like this week? Because since we're on an adventure, how's it been for this week?
1: Yeah, this week, I feel like I'm processing a lot. I don't even know what I'm processing. But mm. it's been a lot of movement going through. And you know, just feeling different things collectively and myself. And just around the area where I live. And so it's been a, it's been a definitely an adventurous week in the sense of (laughs) clearing and (laughs) tuning in and just allowing myself. I I feel like the thing that's been really interesting is I just need more rest right now. For some Mm -hmm. reason, my, my being just needs more rest. I need more downtime. I just need to have the space to just be. And
0: just be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
1: really been my experience. Which well, you is promise,
0: always good. You promise not to take a nap during Francois's talk tonight.
1: Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing all <laughs> interesting <laughs> stories
0: that he's going to oh, share. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Miriam. And our beloved Francois, how are you this evening?
2: I'm excited. I love being challenged, it's my personality, I'm getting challenged, and when it's a challenge that God is challenging me to, I love rising up, I know what it brings up in me, I mean, it's the unknown what's bringing up in me, and I'm just filled with energy, a lot of love for the community, appreciation for you, Padre, Miriam, and everyone who's here tonight to share this sacred time together.
0: Yeah, and we want to welcome the first-timers and all those who are returning I enjoy, we enjoy as a community of presenting these theories for, for all of us to grow because it is about challenging each other to grow in that awareness of who God is and who we are as brothers and sisters in this. So Miriam, would you open up with prayer as we delight and then move into Francois's talk? Yes. Thank you.
1: So the phrase that keeps coming to me this week in preparation for tonight is, bracing the unknown is a recognition you are an eternal being. So let this be our prayer tonight. Come Holy Spirit, um, be in us, be in every cell. Change the atmosphere in our minds, in our bodies, in our hearts, in our grounding, in our homes. Give us a deeper knowing, a new awareness that we are eternal. Thank you for this freedom. Thank you for this gift. We are one with you. We are one with you. Amen.
0: Amen. So be it. Thank you, Miriam. Our guest speaker tonight, Francois. I knew him we would do uh, we, what we call West of Heavens in California. And he was a part of the FSD group and still is to that, for that matter. But was recognizing who he was as a musician and now as a speaker. He does so well. And we, I've been journeying with him as a novice for becoming a, a Benedictine monk in our community. And that's been for about three years. And I've just got to know him in a very personal way. And it's my delight to introduce Francois to our Celebrating Life community and series because I believe he has value to give each one of us tonight in his own stories, in his own journey, that journey into the unknown. So would you welcome Francois?
2: Hello, hello. So everyone, thank you for carving out this time to, to experience the, the space that God has prepared for you. So take a moment just to open yourself up, not to me, but rather to that space that is here for you because God in every single moment of our lives is here just preparing the way and it's right there for us and it's for us to be open to seize it. So just sense the presence around you if you don't already and understand that the truth The only truth that exists is the one that is in your heart that God has planted in your heart. It is not my truth or anybody else's truth. With this being said, I love this quote, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. I absolutely love that quote, but my ego hates it because I want to be strong. I want to be independent. I don't want to be told what to do. I say that that's my lower self, but my higher self, my spirit loves this quote because it understands the the truth of it, because God's power is all I really want. It is not of my own doing. It never worked for me anyways, because I grew up with uh, abdominal pains and uh, at times they were absolutely unbearable and the doctors didn't know what was wrong with me. And so for 10 or 11 years, I had those waves of great suffering, great pain. And so since the doctors didn't know what was happening with me, I turned to prayer. I turned to God at a very early age. And so when I would pray, at the end of my prayers that could last a long time, sometimes I was begging, pleading, please. Sometimes I was whining, why me? But at the end, I said, thank you, God. And every time I said, amen, the pain was gone. And so for me, God it's something that's so real. So it's a living God. It's not about a concept. It's something that's very practical. And so growing up, I longed for knowing, well, I wonder what can be possible with this, the coolest friend on the planet that could move mountains for me. And I felt also that I kind of owed God something because of all that was given to me. I saw this little scene happening a few weeks ago at my, in my front yard. This little chicken and the mama chicken. There's a ledge in front there, in front of the baby chicken. And the mama chicken was jumping off the ledge and coming back up. Coming, She did it like a dozen times. And the little chicken was scared and wouldn't jump off the ledge. It was probably like eight foot high. <laughs> so I don't even know if it's a good idea. But eventually the little chicken jumped off. And so... After uh, my uh, international business studies, once I was done and graduated, I left on for a journey around the world with no money for seven years, just with my faith in God. And I was so ecstatic about carving out time and in uh, circumstances where I would be so weak and so vulnerable that my only strength was the strength of God. And so I expected and needed a miracle every single day of my travels because I needed to know where to eat. You know, how do I feed myself? So God showed me that this garbage over there was safe. I would eat leftovers from restaurants. I'd sleep in the streets. I would have to find a place that was safe for me to sleep and not get into trouble. So there's a lot I could say, and there's tons of stories, but I was guided to actually share a a small amount of my travels that are pertinent to journey into the unknown and divine adventures. So to make an adventure divine, what's the difference between an adventure and a divine adventure? The difference is prayer. If you add prayer to an adventure, it becomes a divine adventure. And so I embarked, that was my third year of travel, and I left my girlfriend behind, my family, my brother, all my my friends. And um, I hitchhiked from France, and the plan was to get to Bali, Indonesia, which is across the world. By flights, it would be probably eight, 9,000 miles, hitchhiking way more than that in months. And so, I mean, I was really excited when I got to Israel because... I got to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, my all-time favorite superhero inspiration. Since I was a child, I finally was able to go to the places that I heard in the books that I dreamed about. And when I was praying and reading my, my Bible, I was now there. And so I visited all those sites and great, great, great miracles happened, incredibly potent. But this will be stories for another time. So I went to, I hitchhiked through Israel and made my way to Egypt. I was going to meet with my three best friends on the other side of Egypt, and we were going to go to Bali together. And the idea was to get on a cargo ship and work on a cargo ship and get to Sudan, the next country over, and kind of inch our way to Indonesia. So I made my way through Sinai, went up to Mount Sinai, connected with the spirit that Moses was connecting with and praying for the planets, really all time highs. But then I, so I got to the place called Urgada in Egypt. And uh, the way we operated with my friends is through telepathy and tapping into the, the, the space where we find ourselves. And we, that's just the way we did it always. So I showed up without any specific meeting. The first day I walked through the town, I look for them, kind of hold the intention and pray to run into them, but I can't feel them. And so I don't find them. Second day, same thing, all day long. And I'm talking with all the merchants in the streets. They all hail me over, come here. And they want to talk. They want to meet me. There's this white man. It's unusual walking there in the old town. The third day, same scenario. And I cannot feel my friends. And it's the end of the day. And I'm really exhausted. Imagine talking to dozens and dozens of people, sharing the same story, who I am, where I'm from. And so I decided I'm done. I'm not stopping for anyone anymore. I'm just going to go back to where I was staying And I'm going to eat something and I'm going to rest. And so everyone was hailing me over on the way out of town and I didn't stop. But then I get to the edge of town and there's this old man who held me over. And in that moment, I had a stirring in my heart. And I needed to go over. My mind was saying, no, don't go. We, we made a plan, but I felt a stirring and I went there. The voice of God was saying, go over. So I went over and he's telling me, you're looking for your friends. They're gone. They've left already. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on? Did someone talk to him? How does he know? He says, you're about to eat something and take a rest, but you're not going to do that because you're going to come with me. You can't even imagine the power that was around this man. I the whole energy field, I was in the presence of someone who knew something outside of this world, supernatural. And in that moment, I was filled with adrenaline and fear because of that power that was in front of me. But I also reminding myself, this is what I'm committed to. And this is what I'm, my life is worth living for. And so he takes me uh, in back alleys, small alleys, little and I just trusted. I was like, I'm clear. I need to follow this man. And he took me to his store. And in that store, he offered me a hibiscus tea. Once again, I had a choice. Do I say yes or no? Because he could spike it with something. I mean, that's, I would certainly not be the first traveler that you know, got lost and never be found again. But again, the spirit, I consulted with God, because God has a voice, a way to talk to us. And when we are open to it, we get the answers. And so I said, "No, drink the tea." <laughs> so I drank the, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I drank the tea. And he starts prophesizing to me. And he's telling me, "You're not going to go to Sudan." A white European man who is traveling to Singapore is going to take you on his cell boat. "Whoa. That is big. After finishing his prophecies, he takes me back to where he found me. And on my way back to where I was staying, I stopped to call my mom back home, collect call. And she said, I'm so glad you're calling. Your friends have left. They flew to Singapore. Whoa, that's twice now within half an hour that I'm hearing the word Singapore. I walked back to the place where I was staying and I was really distraught, actually. I was so looking forward after, you know, months of traveling to get together with familiar faces and hug and talk story, it w- would be a little bridge, you know, of of respite because it was really tough, really really tough, and I was alone by myself, no cell phones, no internet, nothing. And so that night I'm praying on top of the hotel with a muezzin in the back, the call to prayer of the Islam, you know, la ilaha In the background, the sun is setting, and I'm praying to God. like, what do I do? I'm lost. I don't know. I don't have the money to fly. And so I didn't get an answer right then and there. But the next morning, I wake up, and I'm clear. I am to hitchhike up to the Suez Canal because it was a major port, major harbor. So I hitchhike there, and I go to the cargo place because I'm still, I got my plan. I'm going to go on a cargo and work there. And I go to that place and no one spoke English, but the the operation director or however however you call it, he came over and he spoke not only English, but also French. He said, you won't be able to go on a cargo because of insurance reasons. But why don't we go to the marina? I'll take you there and we'll look if there is a sailboat going through. We get to the marina and we find, indeed, there's a white European man who takes me on his boat. The only difference is he's going to the Maldives. He's not going to Singapore. So I'm like, God, you're almost perfect. So the next morning I meet up with him and we, we leave for a three week journey. There was no wind, 120 degrees every single day. We were sweating and sweating and sweating and sweating nonstop during the nights. It would hardly cool off. We all had rashes under the armpits, in the groin. It was very uncomfortable. We couldn't shower because the, it was reserved for drinking water. It was extremely tough and the energy on the boat was really not good. And I was trying to hold the line with God being extremely positive and all that. But the more I lost the minerals in my body and the more we sailed down, the more I got lost and depressed. I couldn't recognize myself. After about 10 days or so, something wonderful happened. I was in a conversation with the captain and he divulged to me that they were going to stop in the Maldives, but that their final destination was Singapore. In that moment, I just cried because I needed so bad in my weakness. That's the weakness, right, where the power of God comes in. I need so bad to have some, just a sign from God because I couldn't really feel God. And I, I felt God less and less, especially between as we started going into the Arabian Sea, we got chased by pirates, Somalian pirates. And there was all this unknown and all we ate was tuna that we fished. And between Yemen and Oman was the toughest time. I got really, really lost. I was praying and couldn't feel God anywhere. And so a miracle happened, though. The fifth night, just before arriving at Oman, a choir of angels were singing the most beautiful, the most beautiful song to me. And I was receiving this incredible healing. And there was this blue light filling my whole being and around me. And slowly, I started waking up. And as I so gently, so gently, ever so gently woke up, I could hear physically, that there were dolphins swimming on either side of the boat, of the bow where I was sleeping and were singing to me. They directed their sonars and their intentions to send healing energy to me. And I knew it was God. It was God's way to send me uh, healing that I desperately needed. So what happened after that is that what happened is that I was still extremely weak and lost. However, I knew what I needed to do. And that was to keep going forward because the biggest challenge for me was not even the physical thing. It was that I was eaten by the unknown. Uh, the un, the known. I kept thinking during those five days with Indian Man and Oman, I just want to go back home. I want to see my girlfriend. You know, I want to get hugged. I want to see my mom and my dad. I want to. I want friends who know who I am, that I'm a wonderful person. <laughs> just, just. And the safety of knowing France or Europe and not being so desperately raw and vulnerable. But when the dolphins came or the angels, the the messengers of God came, I was clear I was to keep pushing forward into the unknown. That was the only thing that was truly worthwhile uh, doing too. So I keep moving forward into the unknown. And before I keep going, and because I'd like to show you once I committed a series of miracles that God operated that are absolutely impossible But that did happen. But before I do, I'd like for you to see the video. This is footage that Christy and I filmed of our interactions with dolphins many, many years later. And you can hear their sounds and their sonars. You can hear them interacting. And also the music that I did is I channeled the music with the intention to be healing. So if you just want to kick back and see if you can sense any presence in there, I invite you to do just that. Right. So I, at this moment, actually, I would love to ask a question to Miriam. Miriam, here's my question to you. Have you ever faced a choice where the unknown made more sense than the known? Where your intuition was a more reliable guide than your reason?
1: This is a really great question. And it got me thinking so much and so many different memories came back. And I actually encourage everybody on this call to really sit with this because I bet you would find some amazing jewels in your own life and experiences that helped you in your own life. But the experience that came forward to share is was when I was a sophomore in high school. I was 15 at that time. And I was getting into a car with four others who were on my swim team that I was I was on and we were going to be driving to practice. And as we were Getting into the car, it was a parked car that was about a block and a half away from our school. As we were getting into the car, these two freshmen came running up to the car and asked us to get in the car. And we're like, we're just going to swim practice. They're like, we don't, we don't care. We just need to get in the car. Please let us in the car. And so we're like, okay. So I was in the front and one of the kids was able to get into the car, but the other one wasn't able to get into the car. And before we were surrounded by 15 to 20 middle school kids. And these kids were, they would had a lot of tough personas and valences and they were really angry and they just started punching and beating up the kid that didn't make it into the car. And there was two main boys that looked like the, the uh, kind of group leaders for their group. And they were the ones doing most of the punching, but everyone was angry and yelling and taunting and contributing in in a vocal way too. And And then the boy that was getting beaten up, he went down for cover and he happened to be between the car and the car door. And they started kicking the car door into him. And he kind of fell onto the ground unconscious. And at that point, the two main boys that were doing a lot of the punching started to walk a little bit down the street. And all I could see from the mirror where I was sitting was just a pool of blood on the, the, the sidewalk. And I don't, you know, this was way before I was into spiritual work. This was way before I even understand, even though I grew up knowing there was always a connection to God. And I knew the value of prayer, even though I grew up in a family that didn't allow that to be spoken really, or believed in, in, in life. But I don't something just came over me in that moment. And I just knew I had to help that kid. I knew I needed to get that kid to the hospital. And I knew somehow it was almost like I was reading the karma of the situation, even though I had no idea what that was at the time, that these young kids were not meant to have the death of that person or anybody on their hands at this time. And I just had this tremendous knowing inside of me that I was going to be safe and that all was going to be well. And so I gently open the car and I get out of the car and I'm standing on the street in front of all those kids and everyone is staring at me. And I turn to look at the boy on the ground that's unconscious. And I could feel energy coming from me into him. It was almost as if I was telepathically speaking to him. And I could, it was like, I was letting him know that it was all going to be okay. And I was going to go get help. And then right at that moment, one of the girls kicked me really hard and I kind of stumbled forward and then I just turned around and I could feel there was this like immense field with me and it got really big. And it, it was again, like I was speaking in her head this time, like I was telepathically communicating with her and I was saying, I'm not the one that you want to mess with. Let me go get help. And then I just calmly walked through them all like as if I was parting a sea and just with like such a calm and steady pace, it was almost like I was in a meditative presence and space. And I, there was like, I just knew there was nothing to hurry. Everything was gonna be okay. It was all taken care of. And I just kept walking towards the school And as I started walking, the two main boys that had done a lot of the punching started walking towards me up the street. And again, I could just feel the field with me and I could tell that all was well. And I just knew I was safe and there was nothing to fear. And the boys walked up towards me and they looked directly at me and I looked directly at them. And then we just kind of passed each other. And I just kept walking in that calm, steady pace and as i was walking and i just stayed walking that way until i got to the school and i could feel in as i was walking that there was energy going from me to the boy that was injured and to the two boys and to everyone it was like there was a field being everyone was being held in this field and everyone was being prayed for in some sense in this field and so i was able to get to the school and call 911 and get the boy to the hospital And it was a truly profound experience for me, like truly, truly unbelievable because it just, in so many ways, opened up so many doors. I, it helped me realize that everything I knew that was true for me was real. And it helped me realize that even though my parents were yelling at me for putting myself in danger and the cops were telling me that I was crazy and I just knew That trusting the unknown was more logical than trusting the known of the conditions of my family and society, even though I couldn't explain that to anyone, and I couldn't under I couldn't articulate them anyway at all. But it was beyond the mind. Everything that happened was way beyond the mind. But it showed me the value of trusting, and and it, it helped me know that I had much more faith than I thought I had, and helped me realize that all we need to do is. Say yes, and then we're taken care of. And the one last thing I'll just say is I've thought about those kids a lot throughout my life and I've prayed for them because I don't know what has happened. I actually don't know what has happened to them. But I think it's important that it, as the whole experience happened, I was really feeling that everyone was receiving some support and some energy. And just so you know, the the kid. Although he had many broken bones, he didn't puncture anything major, so he was he was able to recover
2: fully. Yeah. Thank you. That's such a powerful story. I love it because it goes together with that first slide. You know about I'm I'm imagining that you were probably in terror at first when this happened around you.
1: It's funny because like as I was reimagining this experience, I like remembered details that I hadn't remembered before, and I really it's like. That I just really didn't have fear. I don't know how I didn't have fear, <laughs> but I didn't have fear because I felt the presence so strong with me. I felt that field. I, that was the best way of the term that I used back then. It was mm-hmm. like, I just had a field with me. And so somehow it took away all the fear. Afterwards, though, that's when I was like, wow, maybe." then I had more fear.
2: <laughs> God, I can see God's power made, was made perfect. In that moment, where you were supposed to be weak, yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing, Miriam. Padre, I have also a question to you.
0: If you want to, we can take a pass on that tonight because I'm okay, okay with all that. So let's. I want to hear your stories because I think you're very. I'm intrigued with your journey, my friend.
2: Oh, uh, well, well. So I'm. Thank you, Padre, for giving up your your wisdom. So I'll. Recap to where I was. So we are now in Oman, which is in the Arabic sea. And I'm in this harbor where, where I'm supposed to keep pushing forward into the unknown. And I still don't know what to do. And for a week, we're stuck in the harbor. Uh, a motor had failed. And so it needed to be fixed. And during that time, the voice of God was getting super clear. It was, it was saying, take a plane, take a flight. You need to fly out of here. Get out of here. It's not good. So I argued a little bit because I had $534 to my name on my bank account. And I was like, "But that's everything I have. I mean, what if? But God was clear. And so I went and purchased a ticket. The problem though, I mean, was that I only had enough money for a one-way ticket. And that means no visa. And so the airline, I mean, the, the agent said, do you have a visa? You're going to need a visa. You won't be able to enter Indonesia once you get there. I was like, well... Uh, I'll just get that one-way ticket because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. And by the way, how much was the ticket to fly to Indonesia from, from Salalah in Oman? $534. It was to, to the dollar the amount I had on my bank account. <laughs> so I was like, it's just those little nuggets, you know, like, oh, I still felt super weak and in this dark place. It was really a dark night of the soul for me. It's completely, Wow. So here I am with the tickets that's with so many hurdles in front of me, so much unknown. One of them, and not the least, being that I needed to uh, meet the harbor, what was it, the harbor chief in, uh, in Oman, and he was known to be scary, to be an angry man who's not nice. And so I prayed to God to soften his soul, and I introduced myself spiritually to his spirit and just saying, hey, I'm a lover of God, you know, and I'm, I'd love to meet you, the real you, you, know, you as a child of God. That's how I'm going to show up. And so the next day, I knocked on the door, opened the door. And what did I see? I saw God in front of me. This big, big man with the dark, dark eyes. But there was, a, there was so much light coming out of the eyes, like a recognition that we're brothers. It was so beautiful. And so I told him, I, I don't have money for the visa because I needed a transit visa to get me from the airport, uh, harbor to leave the country, you know, in another way with a plane and to get from the harbor to the airport. And so he said, don't worry about it. He said, give me your passport. And he went somewhere, came back with a passport with a stamp in it. I had a transit visa. He gave it to me for free. Not only that, but a couple of days later, when I finally flew, I didn't have money for a taxi to get to the airport. He personally took me to the airport with a taxi, dropped me there and said, brother, safe travels. I bless you. It was amazing. And, you know, but then I'm there, I'm at the airport and I have three stops, three stops where the airline, you know, when you travel, they look if you have a visa to where you're going, because if you don't have a visa and they don't let you in, they are responsible for you to ship you back, you know, to fly you back to, to your country. So it's procedure to look if you're all in order. And so I had three stops from Salalah to Muscat, which is the capital, and they didn't check. By a miracle, they didn't check if I had a visa. Just one way ticket. From Muscat to Bangkok, that was another. And I just prayed to God the whole time, like, God, I'm just following what you said. You better, you better get my back because I'm not feeling too good about all that. But, and, so, and so again, I make it like really miraculously, I arrive at Bangkok. At Bangkok, we, I was late. The plane was late. And I get to the counter with the airline. And the lady looks at my one-way ticket, looks at my passport, looks at my photo, that's me. And then she goes through the papers to look for the visa. At that precise moment, the loudspeaker says, last call for the plane to Denpasar, Bali, and come now. And so I see the morning, like, that's me, that's me. And she's like, okay. She folded the thing, handed it to me. And I was on the plane. And I praise God so bad, so good. It's like, oh man. I was ecstatic to be in that plane. I felt like I was escaping jail or something. It was like, wow, it's all happening. But then there was still one more hurdle. Arriving in Bali, I don't have a visa. They're not going to let me in. So I let everyone disembark and I'm the last one. And I get to the counter and the immigration officer looks at my passport and and he says, you don't have a visa, big problem. And in that moment... At the moment of commitment, the entire universe conspires to assist you. It's actually a long quote by Goethe, which I absolutely love. I use it all the time with my clients, with the companies that I coach. It's a beautiful quote. I invite you to look it up on Google. Quote on commitment by Goethe. He wrote that 200 some years ago. But indeed, you know, once you're committed, it's like everything starts happening and the flow gets created. So... In that moment, when the offer said, "Big problem, you don't have a visa," I was really still weak. I didn't feel myself at all. There is magic happening. I can see, okay, God is doing things, but I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling strong. I'm incredibly weak. But there's this is tiny little dot of light, tiny little dot of light, and I reached into that dot of light to be in the vibration of the blessing of God. So I love that quote by Matthew six twenty two: "If thy eye be single, thy whole body will be full of light." And so that's what I did. I single, I just ignored all their darkness. I just went straight to that little dot of faith, of high vibration, of God's grace. And I made it mine. And in that moment, I told the officer, I took my passport and I reached into my pocket. I had $11 cash left. That was my very last money. I put the $11 in it and I said, no big problem. And I said it with the authority of God and put it there. He took the money, gave me a stamp. You can't believe the exhilaration I was experiencing. It was, I had made it to this promised land for me right now. I made it to the destination I had set for myself and God carried me all the way. But the story doesn't end there. I wait for my luggage and guess what? Of course, it's not there. I'm really, really in the unknown now. I mean, I don't even have a backpack, not a toothbrush. I have nothing. I'm just like this, you know, just like that. And and that's it. Fortuitously, there was this a Greek gentleman who said, "Where are you going?" I said, "I don't know. I've never been here before. I don't speak the Bahasa, you know, the language." And he said, "Well, I can drop you off in uh, Jalan Legian, you know, or near Kuta." And uh, I said, "All right." So he dropped me there, and I just walked the street. I was able to find a place to stay for three nights. And the third after that, the airline found my backpack actually, and as a compensation, gave me a hundred US dollars cash. So now here I was with a hundred dollars cash that lasted me for a month because I was sleeping in front of temples and I was meditating for that month in front of a a temple, different temples, actually. And they had corrugated iron roofs. So I would stay dry. And in the morning, especially the first morning, I was like, oh my God, there was these beautiful people coming over with the best smiles. And they handed me offerings that they came to offer to the gods, rice cakes, bananas, And they recognized I was doing something they call Brahmachari, which is the search for God or a commitment to God. And so they offered me those foods and it kept me going for a month. And then, and lastly, and that's the last miracle that God did for me. I mean, (laughs) not ever, but the, the last one that I wanted to share with the group today is I called my parents that I called once a month about. My dad said, the money for your airplane was never charged. It's still on your bank account you have $534 in your bank account. (laughs) And so that lasted me another five months. So I wanted to bring in the the quote by Padre Ron Roth, who is the, the original father for Celebrating Life Ministries, also the mentor of our Padre currently, Padre Paul. Ron Roth said that by being open to the voice of God, which may come to you in the form of hunches, intuition, dreams, or chance encounters, Your life will be enlivened at the center of your being. And that life at the center of the being, I call that the God glee. The clients that I work with that I want to call today, they know about me mentioning that it's the God glee. And there's nothing like it. This joy that comes when you know you are one with God, that God loves you non conditionally, fully. And if we just listen and There's multiple voices at all times. There's a voice that's going to say, no way, that's scary. I'm not going to do this, like that little chicken at the beginning. But eventually, God keeps showing the way, keeps showing the way. And if we have a heart of God and a heart of commitment to, to surrender our ego, great things happen because now we are empowered by the power of God. So I was talking to God in preparation for this. It was very interesting. God showed me what is the letter that stands for the unknown in a mathematical equation. It's an X. But if you put a little bit of effort into it, if you add a little bit of, your, of yourself into the unknown, look what happens. It turns into a cross. It's also a cross that's a plus that adds to your life. That cross is a symbol for faith for many, including myself. And so with that faith, when we live in the faith that trumps all understanding, human understanding, It adds to a life a precious precious nectar, a precious joy that you can get anywhere from eating any type of chocolate or sex or anything you think is really the, the best. There's nothing like that godly that comes from the faith. I also love that symbol because it represents the sacrifice, a sacrifice of what? Is it do I need to kill myself? No. But it's a sacrifice of the lower nature of that we can always through free will choose to to transcend. And so it's a sacrifice of our ego to a God consciousness. So from body, ego consciousness to God consciousness. It's also a symbol that represents to me that vertical alignment with uh, heaven and earth, that vertical alignment with my God, with your God, this very intimate a truth that can only be revealed in this way, when we go within, up and down, And then there's the other bar, the horizontal bar, that to me represents the expression of the divine that we remember through that vertical connection. We all have a divine plan in us, like a seed that already has the, the program for the oak. We just have to turn toward the light. I think I'll just finish with this quote from Malachi 310. And that's the promise of God for you, for all of us. And God said, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great. You won't have enough room to take it in. And this right there is my goddaughter who came to visit us and went to Sedona together. And she is a God lover herself. And we did a lot of uh, praying together and a lot of learning. And she's definitely open to receiving the abundance that God has promised upon all of us. Thank you. Let me leave you with this one question. If you knew that you had a best friend, God, that was there at all times to take care of your life, 100%, what would you change today in your life? Would you, maybe a behavior or some perspective that you have about life? So in the next few minutes, I invite you to ponder this question and and receive the healing.
0: Wow, because it really helps us to enter into that abyss, that unknown, that Francois just shared with us. Wasn't that an incredible journey that he was on? I go on vacation, but this guy goes seven years with no money. You know, I was like, how do you do that? But there's the character of Francois, trusting God all the way. And I like his stories because he, he was raw. He talked about, he just wanted to go home. He wanted to see his girlfriend, his parents, friends, just to say Hello. All of us at one time at least felt that way in an unknown moment where we just wanted to be home. We just wanted to be noticed, maybe just speak in English, just so we can interpret that. And I've had those experiences and they're not fun, but it's part of us to let go of the unknown and enter into the unknown, which I just love because it is the mystery, but the mystery does unfold like Francois proved in his own journey. And we as fellow followers of the light of Christ, that we have his promises. And during this portion, we'd love to pray with you for whatever's going on in your life. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of healing that needs to take place. Maybe it's in your own body. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in this world. We all have our concerns. We have our intentions, but if you would allow us, us three, Miriam, Francois, and myself to enter into that place on your behalf. If you trust us that we enter into that place of love and allow the Christ one, the Holy Spirit to reveal prayers for healing for yourself, for your loved ones, for your animals, for your pets even. God knows no boundaries and God loves all of us and this universe because he created it all and he said it was good. we're gonna affirm the good in you. And I think I'm gonna start with Miriam. If you would offer prayers for healing for our community, for the world, for those listening or not listening, but yet what's on people's hearts. So Reverend Miriam.
1: Thank you, God. Thank you all the healing beings and angels that are wrapping each one of us in their arms and holding each one of our hands. May each of us know and feel tangibly right now that living presence supporting us, that living grace holding our hand, walking us through this life, blessing us, opening our hearts so that we can fully embrace the aliveness and the joy in life. And we ask that this this grace of healing touch pour through all the people in our hearts right now, anyone that we would like to pray for, anyone that we know that might be having a challenge or needing some extra support or needing encouragement to move forward in their lives or to make a decision. and We send this also to anybody who is currently having a surgery or any ailment that is causing them to be in a hospital. So we send this grace and this blessing and this peace to all those that that need that that support, that need that guidance, that need the, the touch of God. And we let this blessing move through us into the earth so that it brings water where there is drought, water where there is fires, or any other place that is in need right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for all the blessings, all the grace, all the prayers that are already answered. We receive, we receive your love. We live your love. We become your love. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: Beautiful, rich prayers. Thank you, Reverend Miriam. Francois, would you Mm -hmm. pray for your people?
2: Yes. I love you, my people. I love you. There's a great anointing of courage for all of you upon, for you tonight. Receive this anointing of courage because this is what God planting in your heart right now a great courage a courage that is needed now more than ever receive this anointing now god is saying i am the unknown fear me not it is in me it is in the unknown that all things become possible fear me not Mm.
0: Amen. Even the roosters were celebrating um, your prayers, um, (laughs) making a cameo with the little chicks. (laughs) They get the last say for sure. (laughs) Thank you, Francois. I love the command of the spirit, very focused prayer. And I believe that anointing was for courage for people. We all take trips. Some, some we do not like because we're being asked to others that are just letting go and allowing God's spirit to touch us. But it's really like even Monday night, I had a teleclass and I was praying for California. And I said, send the rain, send the rain. On Tuesday, I had a, a client said, I was just talking to a, my friend from Santa Barbara and they said, it rained, it rained. I go, it did. Yeah. So i questioning myself, but I just really felt the rains are coming, California, the rains are coming. Just felt the in the spirit. And I feel that even tonight. So when Miriam talked about the rain, I go, there it is again. Just gonna continue to tap into the Holy Spirit. And each of you, there's a reason why you're on this call tonight. There's something that's pressing in your own spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows that. And I think Francois picked up on it in a sense of a lot of times um, and I believe this is part of a maybe a long-winded prayer. Yes, I use that term. That sometimes we're afraid of appointments with the doctor, and I know some of you have an appointment with the doctor. I just want to cast out that fear in the name of Yeshua. It's just that's darkness, and we're just going to bring it into the light. And the doctor's going to give you good news. I just want to turn that around because sometimes fear just it grabs a hold of us, and I understand what that is. I've felt that myself. But when I have a, a mentor or a prophetic guy or a woman who speaks into me and tells me what God is saying, then my spirit speaks up and I go, I can trust that one. So I just want to, you to trust my words from the Holy Spirit that says you're going to have a good appointment with your doctor. So be encouraged. Don't dread it. Be encouraged. Also, during Francois' prayer, I kept getting mother-daughter relationships that have been stressed out that maybe not are good. And I don't know who's on the call tonight, but I just felt there's a a desire that healing needs to take place in that relationship. So we're just gonna affirm in the name of Jesus that divine light, divine love. Even the, the universe will set you up, your mom and yourself. And you might go in there fear, with fear and trembling, but don't worry because God is present. And like Francois says, Pay attention to the hunches, the ideas, the encounters that are setting us up. So our role is to step into and have faith. So just encourage you to, whenever you have that encounter with your mother, with the daughter, fear not for God is with you. Also with sciatic nerve, some of you have problems with the sciatic nerve. And I just ask the Holy Spirit now to lay hands, let the angels lay hands on you right now. And I command that pain in the name of Jesus to go. Just let the healing balm of the Holy Spirit just now massage within and all pain leave. And the root cause of that, leave the body right now. People with cancer, it's so prevalent in our world. So I just speak to the cancer. And to me, cancer is the spirit of death. I'm just going to be very bold in my pro- proclamation tonight. And so I'm just going to command that spirit of death off of you in the name of Jesus and out of you in the name of Jesus. And in its place, the Holy Spirit who co creates. When Jesus says, let, when God said, let there be. And it was. So I'm declaring in the name of Jesus, let there be um, healthy cells multiply and grow new organs, new body organs in the name of Jesus. I just decree health now into your body, into your spirit and something to do with the brain. I don't know if the brain tumor or just pain that's on the right side of your brain. I just speak to it now. I just say, let the peace that passes all understanding rest in you now. And people have either night tears or just don't sleep well at night, whether it's you need melatonin or you just need the rest of God. Miriam said she needs rest. I want to pray for her so she gets her rest too. But it's all about, it's not about the physical. It's about resting in God, which is everything that instead of our little sleep that we do and then we worry while we sleep. Well, I'm just going to speak now to those areas. Come, Father of Lights. Come, Mother, Most Dear, Our Lady, Come. And rest with my friends, with these acquaintances, with those people on this call and their loved ones, those are praying for. Let the peace that passes all understanding prepare their sleep tonight and may they rest in the abyss of God. Come forth, Holy Spirit. Let your healing presence fill the overflow. I thank you, God, also for the healing of the, the knee, the, the foot area, that it strengthens, renews the restoration. And I just say, thank you, God. I know a lot of people take a lot of pills for many different reasons why. and But I just want to bless the medicine. I just call it God's medicine. At what you take, whether it's tonight before your bed, tomorrow morning when you wake up, that it gets restored into the very healing of the energy of God. And it will transport you into good health, clear thinking, and peace that passes all understanding and no pain. I thank you, God, for using these elements. Everything works together for good for those that love God. Oh, I bless these holy colors. And if you just want to place a one of your hands on your heart as a point of contact as I decree now God's healing presence that's upon you really sense the angels around me tonight. So that means that you have visitation tonight and they're not going to let go until they finish the work. And even the uh, entities of the Casa, which do that's healing the surgeries. We just say, thank you, God. I speak life into each person now. I speak life into your community, into our world, into the atmosphere. And I command all chaos, all corruption. Now it's healed and restored by the promises of God. We love God. We enter in God's abyss. Heal my sister, my brother. Now we just allow the Holy Spirit and all the legions of angels that have been released on your behalf. And might I request that you maybe you take a nap after this call just to experience more of the abyss of God. I just feel that tangible experience of the presence of Yeshua. Oh my goodness this holy encounter, which we call grace. And I bless each of you in my tradition in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let these divine adventures continue to expand in your life, your home, your workplace. And thank you for joining us in this series. And we have one more next week for Reverend Miriam. So tune in. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, Francois, for your beautiful teaching tonight and Marion for your prayers. And thank you for our tech teams. Thank you for your helps. So we see you all next week. God bless you.